Gospel of John, chapter 4, and we'll begin with verse 35. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 35. And Jesus said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. And I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. We'll go back to verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Well, Jesus, in this particular setting, we looked a little bit at this passage uh, earlier in the chapter on last Sunday. We saw that Jesus stopped to speak to one woman of Samaria, a Samaritan woman. He spoke to her and gave testimony that he was the Christ, that he was the Messiah that they were looking for, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah indeed. And she accepted and she believed on him to be the Messiah, to be the Christ, and she, by faith, received eternal life. Eternal life is God's gift that comes only through Jesus Christ. He that believes on the Son hath everlasting life. So eternal life or everlasting life is a gift that is received by faith. It is received as a result of Jesus Christ coming, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and whoever would believe on Him would have everlasting life. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever, anyone who would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus is communicating with this particular woman and then His disciples who had gone away to buy food because they were all hungry. They come back and they uh, said, Has any man given him anything to eat? He said, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. And then picking up from there, He said, Say not ye. There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. In other words, don't put the harvest off to the future. The harvest is ready right now. Don't look to the future and say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Jesus was willing to stop for one Samaritan woman. We see that then, as you read on in the chapter, you see that this woman was used to influence others with the gospel. She went and told them what Jesus had told her, and then they believed on him, and then they came and heard him themselves and said, we believe on him because of his own words. And so this woman was an instrument in the hands of God to witness to others of her faith in Jesus or her faith in God, and as a result, they also believed. But sandwiched in between, Jesus said, say not ye, there are yet four months. In other words, he took a life experience and a testimony of his own, and he shared it with the disciples uh, through example. He said, don't say there yet four months. And then, of course, this woman, she goes and she reaches another portion of the harvest that was ripe and ready. And so Jesus is teaching them not to put the harvest off to the future, but acknowledge that the harvest is ripe and ready. There's always a ripened harvest. Somewhere in your sphere of influence, there's somebody that's waiting, that's ready, and they need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And you are an instrument, as was this lady, this Samaritan woman. God uses you as an instrument, as a vessel to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to go and tell somebody in your sphere of influence, as she went and told someone in her sphere of influence, you also can tell somebody about the Jesus that you have come to know. If you know Jesus personally, you got to tell somebody. If you love God and have a relationship with God, you want to share him with somebody around you. And you have been given a mission. You've been given a commission. Jesus Christ, the head of the church, when he, uh, before he uh, went up to heaven after his death and resurrection, he was communicating with his disciples, and he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Your world of influence is the world that you need to go to. Wherever you can, influence somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So you are created with purpose. You've been born again for a purpose. And God has given you a mission. He's given you a commission. And he has equipped you with a message. God has given you the message of reconciliation, of restoration, the favor. We see over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God gave you the message of reconciliation, which simply is that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He hung on the cross. He shed his blood. He gave his life. He was raised again on the third day. And if you believe on Jesus Christ, you also can receive this reconciliation, this restoration of favor. That message is something that God has given to you as a believer. Anyone who knows Jesus and has a relationship with God can share your faith with somebody else. It's very simple. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus was raised again. He died for you. You're a sinner. You need a Savior. And Jesus Christ saved you from your sin. If you'll believe on him, you can receive eternal life. So the gospel is simple. It's not something that's difficult for you or for me to share with someone else. It's a very simple gospel. I think I alluded to a story last week about a lady who was here in Las Vegas. She was a cocktail waitress at the MGM Hotel. She uh, went over to borrow something from her neighbor, and when she went there, there was a lady sitting there watching and, and observing what was going on, and she happened to be there visiting uh, this lady's neighbor, and she looked at this woman, and she said, I don't know what's wrong with you, but Jesus can help you. Just spoke the name of Jesus, said, Jesus can help you. That lady went home and she got saved based on calling on the name of Jesus because whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. She got saved. She got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God used her to reach many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ as a result. Friend, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus Christ can give you eternal life. And you as a believer today, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what sin you've been involved in, now you've been born again, and you are a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has given you a message, and he's also given you a ministry of reconciliation, which you find there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as well. God's given every believer a ministry. Sometimes people are looking for their ministry as a believer. What am I called to do? Well, one of the things you're called to do is that you're called to go into 
all the world and preach the gospel to every person you can find. Amen. Go and tell somebody what Jesus has done for you and go and tell somebody what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection and he did it for everyone. And if he did it for everyone, everyone needs to hear. Everyone needs to hear the story of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you have been saved today, let me exhort you. You have a message of reconciliation. You have a ministry of reconciliation. Don't limit yourself and say, I can't do it. No, anybody can. If you're saved, you have to know how to get saved because you got saved. And if you know how to get saved, you know how to tell somebody else how to get saved. So don't think that I don't know. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be uh, an apostle or a prophet. You can simply be a Christian and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 16, he was not just talking to his disciples. He was extending that to believers. Anybody can. Anybody can. Not everybody will, but you can be a somebody that will. Tell somebody about what Jesus has done for you. Tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many will? Praise the Lord. I appreciate you, and God does too. Amen. And God is going to use you as a vessel of his power and of his grace and of his goodness to somebody if you'll simply open your mouth and tell somebody about Jesus. He said, don't stay there yet four months and then comes the harvest. No, he said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. Lift up your eyes. What does that mean? That means that you are conscious of the harvest. You are considerate of the harvest. You know, as a Christian, you can be going through life and you can go to church and you can come and sit and hear a message or you can uh, worship God and you can lift your hands and you can praise God and you can go out of this church and you can go to your place of work and to your home and all that you do during the week and you can be so busy about life that you don't even hardly think about somebody around you is not saved. Well, you know that the world wants you to think that way, and the devil wants you to think that way, but God doesn't want you to think that way. God wants you to lift up your eyes and look. There's somebody in your sphere of influence, somebody in your world, somebody that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and not only needs to hear the gospel, but they are ripe and ready to hear the gospel. He said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. They are ready for the picking. They're waiting for somebody to harvest them. They may not realize it. They may not understand what that uh, hunger in their heart is all about. They may be searching for a lot of things in life. They may, do, may, may be doing a lot of things to fill the void of their heart and their soul. But I can tell you, on the inside, there is a longing to know God because God created every human being with that need and that desire and that longing on the inside. They may have smothered it. They may have put it down. They may have drowned it in alcohol. They may have drowned it in drugs. They may have drowned it in sexual perversion. They may have drowned it in all kinds of sin, all kinds of ways. But I can tell you, there's still a need and there's still a hunger. And there's something on the inside that is empty and it cannot be filled with anything in this world but Jesus. And so we know that there is a need and we know that there is a harvest, but we have to reap the harvest and if we're conscious of it, if we're aware of it, and we are lifting up our eyes and looking and considering that there are people around us that are waiting to hear the gospel and are ripe and ready to receive it. 
Now, you may be sowing seed in some people's lives because it says one sows and another reaps. You may be sowing seed. You may be just dropping the seed in the soil of their heart. You may be just telling the good news, and God will have to work with it from there. But if it is possible, it's good to go ahead and close the deal because he that wins souls is what? Wise. In other words, if you're going to be a good salesman, then you're going to have to present yourself well. You want to communicate well. You want to know your material. You want to be able to effectively share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But don't wait till you know everything. You've got to get out there and you've got to exercise it, gain some boldness, and say, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus today. So if you'll think about every morning, Father, who can I witness to today? There may be somebody on your job. There may be somebody in your uh, where you go to shop. There may be somebody that in the sphere of where you do business. No matter what your situation is, there's always somebody God will put in your path if you'll trust the Holy Spirit to direct and order your steps. God will put you in the right place at the right time with the right person to share the right gospel, the goodness of God. And when you do, they're right for the picking. They're ready to receive. Glory be to God. It does make a difference. Amen. If they're ripened, if the harvest is ripe, if it's ready, and when you share the gospel, it's so easy. And when you know Jesus, and you love Him, and you express Him, and you express the love of God to somebody, I believe God is able to open their heart. And He can penetrate right through their emotions, right through their minds, right through their thinking. You understand, He can penetrate to the heart of a person, and the Holy Spirit can bring conviction and convincing power in their lives that they would come to know Jesus Christ. You know, I used to work in the grocery store as a teenager, worked in the grocery store. And some of the time that I worked in the grocery store, I worked in the produce department. And if you know anything about produce, it comes into a grocery store. The bananas, when they showed up, were green. They had been gassed because I went to the warehouse in my training. I went to the warehouse, and they had actually gassed them to ripen them up. So when they picked them, they were green. When they came to the store, some of them were still green with a little yellow. You set them in the in the cooler, and then you put them out when they're just a little bit uh, yellow on the outside because if you wait until they're ripened on the tree, you know, you get these tomatoes in the store, and it says vine ripened. They lie. You know they're not vine ripened. They hung on the vine till they got to the point that they knew if they didn't harvest them, by the time they got to the grocery store and got to your house, they would not be any good. But in the natural, they harvest things prematurely. But in the spirit, it's difficult to harvest it prematurely. God has to ripen the harvest. God has to work in the heart. But sometimes it's a quick process. The Holy Spirit comes on them. And the anointing of God causes them to ripen quickly because the gospel is shared clearly. And the gospel has the power to save and deliver and set free. And hearts are open and minds are open. And the Spirit of God brings them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And they fall off the tree just like a ripe uh, cherry off of a tree. You know, I've, I've actually picked peaches off of trees. And they actually taste different from any peach that I've ever bought in the grocery store. To me, a peach out of the grocery store most of the time tastes like a cork in your mouth, you know, because it has no juice or no flavor. And even if it is now supposedly ripe, now it's like bruised. 
but there's still no flavor. But you know, the Holy Spirit knows how to ripen somebody, get them ready, and it's so easy to pick them right off the tree. So the Spirit of God wants to use you to lift up your eyes, look on the fields, and realize the harvest is ripe, it's ready, but He needs somebody to go out into the harvest field and pick the harvest, so to speak. Because if nobody goes out to harvest the crop, it's just going to rot in the field. Do you hear me today? But you're going to get a reward if you'll lift up your eyes. Look on the harvest, verse 36. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. There is great joy in harvest. If you were a farmer to receive your harvest, that's your reward. That's the great day. That's the joy day. That's the time you're happy to see your harvest has come in. Well, if that is true in the natural, it's also true in the spiritual. When you get your check at the end of the week or at the end of two weeks, how many are happy on that day? Why? Because you've got your reward for your labors. So in the spirit, when you are faithful to labor in God's vineyard, in God's uh, kingdom, in God's purpose, and you go out into the highways and the hedges and you compel them to come in, then what happens is there is a reward day, and you're going to have joy in harvest time. It says in Isaiah 9 and verse 3, the joy before, they joy before thee as joy in harvest. They joy before God as joy in harvest. There's no joy like seeing people saved, born into the kingdom of God. I'm still not callous to that. I'm still happy to see somebody saved. I've seen hundreds and thousands of people saved, and I'm happy every time somebody comes to Jesus Christ. And I'm, a, I'm thrilled every time because I know that they have just passed from death unto life. Their sin was wiped away. Their old nature has passed away. And a new nature has come into their spirit. And the potential and the power to live a Christian life and live free from sin and free from the devil and free from this world. And eternally, they're going to spend their eternity in heaven. And I'm telling you, it still thrills me. And if you're happy to see somebody saved, you want to make sure they get saved. If you're looking at this world and seeing that there is a harvest and you have joy in harvest, then you're going to do what it takes to tell somebody about Jesus. And we'll rejoice together. Those that sow and those that reap, we are going to rejoice together. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9, folks. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus is speaking here. Actually, he's going to teach in the synagogue. It says in verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus was teaching in the synagogues. He was preaching the gospel. And it says he was healing every sickness and every disease. Listen, there may be a different avenue where you get into somebody's life, so to speak. In other words, there may be somebody on your job that needs healing. That may be an a avenue where you could witness to them. Jesus is not just the Savior. He's also the healer. So if he's the healer, then you can talk to him about healing. You can witness to him about healing and share that Jesus wants to heal them. Jesus will heal them. You can lay hands on the sick right there at the table, in your dining room, on your job. You could pray. 
Or you can talk to them and tell them you'll pray with them after work or something. You can communicate with them about healing and you can lay your hands on them. You don't have to lay your hands on their head. You can just lay your hands on their shoulder and just pray a simple prayer, a prayer of healing, and Jesus Christ could heal the sick right there on your job. Right there after work, right in your neighborhood, your neighbor, you might be talking to them. They're sick. You know Jesus will heal you. Jesus wants to reach forth his hand and heal you. And you can communicate the gospel of healing to them. That may be the avenue or the door that opens their heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants them healed. He wants them delivered. He wants them set free. Praise God. So Jesus is healing the sick. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. When he saw the multitude, Jesus looked beyond just the few people he was ministering to. He saw the multitudes. He knew that there was a larger picture. There's a multitude of people that need the gospel, that need Jesus. Here in this case, he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Compassion is not just crying because people are hurting. Compassion is being moved to action. You may cry, you may weep over their pain or over their hurt and and, and over their sin, but yet you're moved to action. Compassion is an active thing. Something on the inside stirs you to do something, to make a difference, to witness of the goodness of God, to witness of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus here was moved with compassion when, when he saw. That's why Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the field. Live with a consciousness every day of your life. Get up in the morning and live with this consciousness and this awareness that there's somebody in your sphere of influence that is in need of the gospel, needs to hear the gospel, and you have the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you have the ministry of reconciliation, and God has commissioned you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you live with that awareness and that consciousness, and don't just get caught up in life, just get caught up in your business, and you're on a mission to go to the doctor. You're on a mission to take your children to school. You're on a mission to take them to the sports event. You're on a mission to take care of your business in life. No, don't just live that way. There are people on the way to your mission. I said there are people on the way, just like that woman of Samaria was on the way. When Jesus was going a certain place, he went through Samaria. She was on the way to where he was going. And so be conscious and aware that there are people around you everywhere that are waiting for somebody to come and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may not be aware, but God is prompting you and the Holy Spirit is directing you to witness to them and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw. If you would really just look around you, I make that a habit. I look around where I'm, wherever I am. I'm looking around. I'm thinking about people. I'm thinking about their spiritual needs. Sometimes it's not in a, a perfect environment to share the gospel. Sometimes it's easier to, to witness to people. But nevertheless, take advantage of every opportunity and know that God's Holy Spirit is there to help you and direct you and order your steps and prompt you. Listen to His voice. Follow His direction. Speak the Word of God. Speak the gospel. And let the Holy Spirit bring conviction. Amen? So He saw and He was moved. And when you see... And you lift up your eyes, you're moved to action. You're moved with compassion. Verse 
37, or actually it says there are like sheep scattered that have no shepherd. You know, it may be that they're not saved, and you need to reach them with the gospel. It may be that they're just unchurched. There's a lot of people in our valley that are unchurched. They're saved. They've been born again. They have some relationship with God, but they still need a shepherd. They still need a church. They still need a church family. They still need to be connected with the body of Christ. So you may be sharing about your church and just giving them an opportunity to connect with the local church and be a part of God's family and experience God's will for their life. Verse 37 says, Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are what? The harvest is plenteous. Now what did he say in John 4? Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. Here he says the harvest is plenteous. There's no lack of harvest. There's a lot of people that are not saved. There are people all around you every day, everywhere you go, that are not saved. There's no lack of harvest. The lack is in the laborers. The power is in the gospel. The provision has been made. Anybody can be saved. But somebody has to tell them. How are they going to hear unless there is a preacher? And how are they going to believe unless they hear? So somebody has to preach in order for them to hear, in order for them to believe. So if you'll preach it, and you don't have to stand up and say, you know, I want to say something right now. No, you can just very, very softly, very uh, respectfully, kindly communicate in a way that people can receive it because the wisdom of God is easy to be entreated. It's easy to be entreated. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to say. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how to say it. And the Holy Spirit can use you. Don't think that, well, my personality, you know, I'm not real talkative. I, I don't like to open up a dialogue with people that I don't know or try to communicate and talk to people that I don't know. It may not be your personality, but the Holy Spirit's personality is to reach the lost. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit can help you to open up, right, and share the gospel. But then there are other people, they're, they're very open and very talkative, and they can communicate with people. They don't even have to know who they are, but they can open up a dialogue with people, and yet they don't even talk about Jesus. They don't even open up about the gospel. Well, either way, we have to yield to the Holy Spirit and let Holy Spirit use us, and the Spirit of God can make a mark on somebody's heart because of you yielding to the Holy Spirit. He said the harvest is plenteous. But the labors are few, so that means I've got to break out of my box, or you've got to break out of your box, or break out of your barriers and say, oh no, I can share the gospel. Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit equips me. He equips you. You shall be witnesses after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. So the Holy Spirit enables you. It's not just your natural ability. It's Holy Spirit's ability to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. The laborers are few. Will you be one of those laborers? So he tells us the laborers are few and the harvest is plenteous. Verse 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labor. So one of the keys is to pray. Pray that God, the Lord of the harvest, would send forth labors into his harvest. Prayer is essential for us to reap a harvest of souls that need to be reached. So we must pray, ask God to send labors 
ten labors. Now, uh, Amplified Bible says to thrust out or to force out. In other words, if we'll pray, God will thrust people out into the harvest field. Thrust the labors out. If we'll pray, God will prod you. So we don't want to just come to a comfortable church, sit on a comfortable pew, hear a message that's comfortable and never change and never make any difference in our world. No, we want to be people who are people who are passionate about God and passionate about souls and have a heart and a desire to see people saved. And we must go and tell them. So God just wants to get you out of the mess. You know, if a, a mother eagle, there's a time where it's got to take the e- eaglet and take the eagle out of the nest. He'll let you sit there. She'll let you sit there for a while. But there's a time where you got to go out and you got to fly. If you never open your mouth, a lady after the first service this morning, she said, for the last few weeks, I've been, I've been passing out tracks. Never did that before. But I've been passing out tracks about Jesus, about the gospel, telling people about Jesus. She said, I work in a, in a hotel, in a casino environment, but I'm telling people about Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter where you work. doesn't matter what your job is. God wants you to open your mouth and tell somebody that Jesus is risen from the dead and that he is alive and that he can make a difference in their life. No matter where they're at in life, God has a plan for their life, and God can take them in, and He can nurture them, and God can change their life and change their destiny, and supernatural life would access their heart, and they would change forever. God is amazing. The grace of God is amazing. There are testimonies all over this place this morning of how God has brought you out of darkness into His marvelous light. How many are so glad about it? How many are really happy to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Well, if you're so thrilled about Him, you want to tell somebody. I said you want to tell somebody about Jesus and of the goodness of God. He said pray that God would thrust the labors out. So God's thrusting you out today. He's pushing you out of the nest. Can you say amen? Let's go to Jeremiah 8 and verse 20. Jeremiah 8. Scripture says here, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not changed. Now that's a sad scenario. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not changed. What happened? The harvest came, the harvest was ripe, but no one went into the field to reap the harvest. How many people have died and gone out into eternity without Jesus because the harvesters, the laborers, were not in the field. Or even if they were in the field, they were not reaping the harvest. They were sitting back 
just enjoying. You know, when I was a kid, I did different things in the fields and, you know, lived around farms. So, you know, as a kid, we would go out and pick cucumbers and, and make a little money or pick uh, strawberries and make a little money. You know, I, I, I felt like the labor is worthy of his reward, and I ate probably more strawberries than I put in the uh, little bunker, you know. It was beneficial. But I learned you don't make money if you if you put them in your mouth. No, you gotta you gotta do something and put them in the harvest basket. But you know, if we just let the harvest sit in the field, and if we don't reap it, it's too late for some people. But I don't want it to be too late for anyone. I want to do my part. I want to be able to stand before God. And know that I've done the will of God, done my best to witness of Jesus and tell the gospel story and tell somebody and tell people throughout my life of Jesus Christ. Because I don't want to face God and have people's blood on my hands. I want to be able to face God and know that I've done my best to serve him, to witness, and to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you please be exhorted today and receive your exhortation? to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Don't let the harvest come and go and be wasted. When the harvest is ripe, eventually it will fall off the vine and just rot in the field. We don't want that to be the case. We want to seize the moment. We want to take advantage of our opportunity and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive and he is Lord. Can you say amen? Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, we'll begin with verse 26. The setting here is that Jesus is talking about a seed. He's talking about the Word of God in the first part of the chapter. Actually, he talks about the Word of God being like a seed. So the gospel or the Word is the seed. And when somebody hears the gospel or hears the Word of God, it is the, it produces the faith. It's the seed that produces the faith for somebody to believe on Jesus Christ. And when you preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit is committed. The Holy Spirit is faithful. So he talks about the seed being the word, and then it talks about the soil being the heart of people. Now, if we'll pick it up in verse 26, another parable Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. The ground is the hearts of people. The seed is the word of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise day and night, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, the b- first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. In other words, it comes to maturity. Verse 29, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. Immediately he puts in the sickle. Now the sickle is a harvesting tool. I was not too long ago in India. I would take a walk in the morning, early morning. I would take a walk before teaching in the morning session. 
And so I would I wanted to take a walk because I wanted exercise, but I also wanted to take a walk because I wanted to feel the heartbeat. I wanted to see. I wanted to lift up my eyes and look. I wanted to see how they lived and where they lived. And, and, and help it would help me to relate to who I was talking to. And so they lived very primitively, most of them. Lived in very primitive ways. But one of the things I saw is a man out there, he's like with a sickle. He's out there cutting weeds. Very primitive way. But God, and for thousands of years, they've lived in a very primitive manner. But God still has harvesting tools. We may use just us speaking to our neighbor, speaking to somebody on the job. It may be a television tool. It may be an Internet tool. It may be a Facebook tool. It may be a YouTube tool. But whatever the tools are, the message has to be clear. The message has to come across, whether that's one person witnessing to another person or one person using Facebook or YouTube or whatever method they are using. The message has to come across because that is the power that saves. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto what? Salvation to everyone that believes it. Here, he says, the harvest is when it's brought forth. It says in verse uh, 20, 29, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. In other words, when the harvest is ripe. So that means I must, you must be sensitive to the moment. You can't pick it when it's green, and if you do, it's not going to have the same results. So the harvest, when it's ripe, it needs somebody in the field, somebody being sensitive to the moment. So harvest is time-sensitive. So if we are Holy Spirit-sensitive, we will be sensitive to the time, and we'll know when to speak, and who to speak to, and what to say. And you don't have to know everything premature. In other words, you don't have to have it all reasoned out in your mind. If you just have that prompting, Holy Spirit releases you to speak to somebody. Now's the time. Speak now. Say it now. Because maybe just in the next few minutes, other people walk in the room, things change, the environment changes, the opportunity is not the same. So take your opportunity. Seize your moment. And speak the gospel when you can. Put in the sickle. Reap the harvest when it's time. Let's go, if you will, to Joel. Joel chapter 3. In Joel chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 13. Joel chapter 3 and verse 13. Verse 13 says, Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full and the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. So we can't look at the world and say, oh, well, their wickedness is great. That's the end of the story. Their wickedness is is great because they're sinners. They're living in sin. They don't have God as their director. They don't have Jesus as their Lord. They don't know, sometimes hardly, right from wrong. They're not able to discern good and evil. They're going on a wicked path, an unrighteous path. But yet, God wants us to lift up our eyes and look. He said, the harvest is ripe. So put in the sickle. Harvest the crop. Verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley 
of Decetus. Multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of Decetus. The deciding moment, the time when people are at that decision point in their life, they're so close. If someone else comes into their life and speaks some other message into their heart, into their mind, they could be the influencer. They could be the person that directs them down the wrong road. And so for the rest of their life, they could go the wrong direction and end up in eternity in hell as a result because the wrong person came and they spoke into their ear and influenced them to go the wrong direction. But if you're at the right place at the right time for the right reason and you're there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, You may have been on your mission to take care of your business, but on the way, you met somebody on your path. And the Holy Spirit prompted you to speak. And you were there at the right time. So we don't have all of life figured out. We don't have everybody we're going to meet figured out. We don't know everything about our day. We don't know everything about our week or our month or our year. But we do know that if the Holy Spirit is ordering our steps, then God can put us at the right place with the, at the right time with the right person to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the right thing. And when you share that gospel, it penetrates their heart. They're at that ripened stage. The Spirit of God moves on their heart, and they confess Jesus Christ as Lord. They believe on Jesus, and they get saved. What a joy. I said, what a joy. To see somebody saved in your own personal life. If you've never had that in your own personal experience, friend, listen, God has a plan for you to to preach the gospel, to tell the good news. You've got a message on the inside of you. You've got a ministry that God has laid upon you. God has given you the responsibility to go into all the world and teach and preach the gospel. Tell somebody that Jesus Christ died for them that he was buried, but he was raised again. And he's alive, and he can give them life today, and the Holy Spirit can convict them and bring them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and they can pass from darkness to light, from Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom in a moment of time. Why? Because they were at that point of decision, and the Holy Spirit took you right there at that time, and God enabled you to reap the harvest. Maybe somebody else has sown into their life, but you were right there at the right time, and you were able to share the gospel, the goodness of God, and the goodness of God led them to repentance, and they called on the name of the Lord and were saved. What a testimony. God 